Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm excited to bring you another one of these bonus episodes of Just a Guy in the Pew. If you've been keeping up with what we've been doing, if you've been following the podcast, you know recently we've been bringing on some of our favorite Catholic speakers, presenters, and religious to talk about some of the things that maybe we struggle with in life or things that God wants us to shine a little bit more of our attention and light on in our lives. And today is no different. I'm excited today to have as our guest, Sonia Corbett. Now, Sonia Corbett is the host of the Evangelista Bible Study for the Catholic TV Network. She's the creator of the best modernization of Lectio, the Love the Word Method and Journal. She's a Catholic scripture teacher, best-selling author, and tele-award-winning broadcaster. You can find her at BibleStudyEvangelista.com, where you can also catch her newest Bible study series on the seven penitential psalms. She also leads pilgrimages all over the world. Guys, I could spend an hour telling you all the things that this wonderful lady has done uh, throughout her service to the Lord. But without further ado, I'm going to bring up my friend, Sonia Corbett. Sonia, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining I'm us. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm hey, so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Uh, you know, Sonia, you and I have been working together on different conferences and stuff over the last year or so. And, you know, this is the first time we're actually getting to see each other. We're usually talking via email or the phone. But I'm excited because we share, you know, a common history of, of conversion to the Catholic faith. We were both Protestants. And so I wanted to have you on here today just to talk a little bit about that, to talk about uh, how you found your love for Scripture, something that's so important to, to all of us should be important in our uh, growing our relationship with Christ and then to talk about Mary and just a lot of other things along the way so again I'm so excited to have you with us well I'm thrilled I feel like I'm seeing an old friend yeah <laughs> well me too so to get started here first of all you know I talk to the guys a lot on the show and the people that follow we have women that follow us too but you know the majority of it is men that listen um, about the need for a love of scripture about the role it should play in our life you know a lot of times I, I talk about, look, if you don't go to daily mass and you're hearing just pieces of scripture every Sunday, and even if you go to daily mass, you're hearing little bits of it, but there's so much more, the Old Testament and so much more out there that we're uh, limiting ourselves to if we're not diving into scripture and the role it should play in our life and our development of a relationship with Christ. It's, it's Jesus's autobiography, you know? So what are your thoughts on that? And how did you find your love for scripture and and just talk a little bit about that for us, if you would. Well, probably the most important thing for us Catholics to know is that the Catechism says in 103 that the one table of the Lord is the Eucharist and the Scriptures. Mm -hmm. So if we're only receiving the Eucharist and we're only getting that little snippet from the Mass out of the Scriptures, then we're not feeding and eating and being nourished from that table. Yeah, And that is a huge deficit. And it is... In fact, it's a neglect of Christ himself because all of the scriptures testify to him. So if we want to get to know who he is, if we want to get to know who God is, we have to be in the scriptures. And the church lays that out for us so conveniently by giving us the readings. We don't have to wonder, what should I read today? You know, I mean, we already have the, the readings set out for us. And what's so amazing about that is after having a habit of reading the scriptures myself before I became Catholic, coming to this schedule of readings and finding that God speaks to me through those readings on a daily basis. And he's speaking to the whole church. Yeah, He's speaking to the whole church and I get something and you get something and somebody in Poland gets something and somebody in Australia gets something. <laughs> and we're all getting something from the same readings. That is yeah. a miraculous, wonderful 
thrilling thing. And if we want to know what God wants from us, we have to be in those scriptures every day because the Holy Spirit, that is his voice. That is his word. That is his will. That is his mind. That is his heart for Mm. us on a daily basis. And if we're not listening, we're not going to know how to deal with the situations that come up in our lives. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I worry about a lot with folks is that we simply read scripture as black words on a white page or as another history book. You know, when, when the story of Jesus walking on water or, you know, the, the raising of Lazarus, we just kind of go, oh, I remember he did that. Okay. This is that story I'm familiar with again. But we miss an opportunity, if we're not careful, to place ourselves in these situations, right? To personalize the gospel. Because it's not just another book. You know, I want you to speak a little bit more about that, about finding your answers, finding things in your life in Scripture. I mean, can you give us some examples of how you've done that in your own life and and where when you've been struggling or or maybe having a hard time uh, in your daily journey where you found answers from Christ in the Scriptures? Well, for me, it began with a an enormous fight with my husband (laughs) (laughs) and it was the kind of fight where actually I was the one who did all the fighting. My, Mm -hmm. I have what I call a father wound and it was, it made me very, very angry. Now I didn't know that. I, I just thought I was super sensitive to criticism and my husband has the gift of criticism. (laughs) And so we had this, we had this, that was our ongoing fight. Every couple has this same thing that they return to over and over a lot of times. And that was ours. I'm too sensitive. He's too critical. Well, that really, it it came to a head when my father did not come to our wedding Mm. and it was very painful and we didn't speak for about five years. And I came home from work and my dad, I saw a pink birthday card on the kitchen table in my dad's handwriting with my name on it. And when I picked it up to open it, my, my husband had opened it. And I, that was, that was the one and only time I am thankful to say that I experienced a blackout rage Mm. and I, I physically attacked him. I was, we didn't have kids, thankfully, (laughs) but I, I was cussing and, and beating and just, totally out of my mind over Mm. what really wasn't it should not have been such a big deal but it really really was now to this day he doesn't open my mail which is kind of funny (laughs) imagine not it's kind of sad yeah it's a little sad (laughs) actually nobody in the family opens my mail but i don't open theirs either you know gotcha but i just i when i woke up from that it was a little bit like the the prodigal son in the pig pen and i just kind of I, 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 like the old cartoons, you know, and I just, I said, what is wrong with me? Lord, what is wrong with me? And I was so ashamed. I was, I was so out of control. It scared me. I was, I was scared because I, at that point I realized I have no control over this anger. None. Now I had been in altercations with other girls in school. I had, thrown things and busted them. I had, I've destroyed remote controls. I put my head through the drywall in the bathroom once. And my husband said, it's a good thing there wasn't a stud behind there. Or you'd have knocked yourself out. <laughs> I mean, right. I just, and I would, it, it just would erupt. Now I wasn't crazy like that all the time. It was in, th- that was the moment when, when I said, what is wrong with me? And I went to God and I said, I don't care what you have to do to me. 
I want you to fix this. Whatever is wrong, what whatever is wrong with me, whatever you have to do, I'm willing. I don't I did not want to destroy my marriage and I I could see already that that was going to happen if I continued on the trajectory trajectory that I was on and and at that point we had a small a baby um not we didn't have both of them and Luke was very young but I knew I already could see where I was headed and it scared me so I knew that the only way to really know God and especially as a Baptist because we didn't have sacraments so there's there's no other alternative if you're going to know God at all you have to read and, and study the scriptures. So I tried it. I started and I, I was working. So I had to get up really, really early. And, and I, you know, I worked on it and I would get up and I'd sleep through it, you know, and I just felt yeah. like it was such a waste of time and I wasn't much, getting much out of it. And I went to my mentor and I said, I, I'm trying, but he's not there. Sure. <laughs> and she said, well, how long have you been doing it? And I said, five days, you know, and she just kind of laughed and said, no, go back and do it until you hear from him. So I, I know exactly how long it took. It was 26 days because at that time I had, you know, as a Protestant, we don't have the readings of the church. Sure. So I was reading one of the Proverbs every day and it was on day 26 in Proverbs 26, 11, that God said to me, clear as day as a dog returns to his vomit. So a fool repeats his folly. And I just thought, that is me that in fact i got the shivers all over my body again because i knew i knew that was him i knew that was me and then all i could do is say okay well now what <laughs> you know and i remember saying to him i can't help that i can't help it i don't even know where it comes from i need help with that and very very quickly after that i found in psalm 4 4 where it says be angry but sin not commune with your own on your bed in silence, offer the right sacrifices and put your trust in God. And since then, now I didn't even know that you could be angry and not sin. That was a whole new, I'm serious. That was a brand new concept for me. I thought, is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) And clearly he called me very clearly to self-control there, but I still felt, I felt like I didn't have the tools for that. I didn't know where it came from, but that was really the beginning. I had an issue with anger. It was, it was extreme. It was emotional, but I didn't know that at the time I went to God for help. I did the only thing I needed to do, which was read the scriptures every single day. I did it for 26 days. He met me there. He showed up and he put his finger right on the problem. Mm. Sin, not be angry, but sin, not. And so that was the beginning for me of, of all of it because he began to explore and dig around and probe that wound. And we began to work on, he showed me the pattern of my anger. It was in specific circumstances. It was with men who were in authority over me. That would be my husband whom if I loved or respected them, I could not, I just could not receive criticism from them. It felt, it was so painful. I just couldn't. And that showed me that it, the root of it was pain, woundedness. And then he just led me through that whole healing process. And But that's where it began. It was in the scriptures. Well, that's so interesting, Sonia. And it's just so amazing that 
that God showed you that, that profoundly, that he put you right to not only where the wound was coming from, where the pain was coming from, but also how to deal with it. You know, a lot of times I think that we miss out on that because we're not diving into the scriptures. We're not asking God's help of it. We say, fix the problem, right? Make me feel better. But a lot of times we don't go into the work that it takes to to get that done and, and asking God to show us that. So, you know, I have a lot of guys that, they want to, and as a man myself, I don't like wounds. I want to cover them up. I want to band-aid over them and, you know, Neosporin and all that stuff. I just want them to get better. But honestly, what, what I think men, we struggle to do is to rip that band-aid off and to let that wound be exposed so the only one that can truly heal, heal it is a divine healer so that he can have his way with it. And I, I think a lot of times we get to that point of ripping it off, but we don't know where to go after that. And that's just so amazing that he led you there to find that out in the scriptures. Well, you know, we're made, you're made for that. Men especially are made for that. You're, you're so, you're so driven. Mm -hmm. And so it just needs to be focused. And here's the thing. If you don't do it now, first of all, it'll ruin your relationships with your, your wife, with your kids, and with God, that's called a predominant fault. Anger, wrath is one of the capital sins, and it can also be a predominant fault. And it was for me. That's where that's that's my that was my go to sin. When I was provoked in certain ways, when my wounds were were triggered, that's how I reacted. It was vomit that you couldn't pick a better word for that. It was exactly that. It, and now I call it an eruption, but that's what it is. And if you don't do it now, you will do it in purgatory. Mm. That's the essence of what that purification is meant to be. It's meant to, to detach us from the possession of the wound. And we can't get that unless we open it up to God. So there are two reasons why we must do it. One, to keep our marriage healthy and to keep our relationship with our kids healthy, but also because we don't want to try to do it in purgatory when we don't have access to the sacraments and to friends who can help and to other things from the outside. In purgatory, you don't have a body to self-medicate with. You're just there with the reality of the wound and the sin that comes out of that. All sin comes from woundedness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it sounds so esoteric and it, it's really not. It's very, very practical. When I went to him, when I really wanted to know, he was faithful to show me the truth of it. And that's called self-knowledge by the saints. He will not let you go. If you, if you really mean that, Lord, show me, he will show you. He will. He wants you to know it more than more than you do. Yeah, yeah there's been some times in my, my life I've asked him to show me something, and boy, has he. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, a little bit more than I wanted him to. <laughs> absolutely. See, now what, what he typically does, and what I've seen, and this is what I teach, is when you ask him something like that, he will offer you what I call a pop quiz. It's a surprise invitation to practice behaving differently than you would in that same situation. Hmm. So when I, when I finally got, when I was aware that it was triggering very old, very deep pain regarding my relationship with my dad, once I realized that, then he started, he started 
these people would, I mean, the same kind of people all the time. I worked for them. They were my preacher, my husband. You know, the good thing about my relationship with my husband is I, I knew he loved me. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was able and thankfully he was willing to kind of bear with me, right? Until <laughs> I, could, I could get some healing from that. But those pop quizzes... That is part of the pattern. When you when you can sit with God and ask him, what is it that makes me so angry? What what are the triggers? And does that connect to a, a previous memory somewhere? How when do I remember feeling just like that? That because anger is a mask for fear. Yeah. And fear, the Bible says, is a lack of love. It's a it's a sin. Fear is a sin. It's unbelief. It's a lack of trust. So immediately he gave that gave me that verse in Psalm 4:4, and it became what I call the stop tool. Sin not, and this works for for any sin, whatever the go-to sin is. Sin not is S. T is tell God. O is offer the right sacrifice, and P is put your trust in God. So wow. you you get your guardian angel to help you stop me before I erupt, before I scream at somebody, or I lose control, or whatever, and then you tell God. All of the circumstances, this is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking, blah, 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 blah. We just, instead of vomiting on other people, we vomit on God because that's what he wants. And then we offer the right sacrifice. We ask him, what do I do here? What, how do I handle this situation that's made me so angry? Do I need to just practice charity or do I need to put a boundary in place? And there were a lot of times that God said, you just need to grow up. And I had to learn charity. But hearing it from him is a whole different thing from than hearing it from your husband or hearing it from another person. You know, you don't have the the hurt that goes with that. So you're able to hear it. And then P is put your trust in God. Whatever he says to do, you just do it and you trust that what whatever the circumstances or the, the consequences are of that, he will work those out. Well, let me ask you this thing, because this is a question I get a lot from men too, is is there such a thing as justified anger? Is there such a yes, good thing is. as good well, anger? Yes, yeah. because and John, uh, John Chrysostom was called the golden mouth, the preacher. And he said, he who is not angry when he has cause to be sins, because excessive patience is the hotbed of many vices, and it causes even the good man to do wrong. So there is a time and place for anger, and it's always, it's a, a signal for us that there's a lack of, of justice. Mm-hmm. So lack of justice then has occurred. Is this something I need to roll with in charity or is this something I need to place a boundary for or or is it a real danger to my family or, you know, to something else, whatever. But but that evaluation has to happen. We don't make that evaluation. We just get pissed off and freak out and and tear (laughs) up something or hurt somebody. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And I always point guys to, to Jesus in the scriptures, you know, when he turned over the tables of the money changers, you know, there was a justified anger in that. Christ was mad. I mean, he made cords of, uh, you know, cords into whips and he was whipping people and overturning things and throwing over things in a moment, but it was justified. It was a, there was a wrong being done to his father. Yes. But here's the difference between Jesus and us. In fact, sure. the, the book of James says that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Hmm. But here's here's the difference. Jesus, his he was so matchlessly powerful, and yet all of that power was in control. That's what the word meek meekness means. It doesn't mean doormat, it means power under 
control. Mm. So we're called. And in fact, we have the promise from God through Christ and his sacrifice. We have that promise of the authority over our own emotions and our own thoughts. We have control of those. We give that control over to the enemy when we have these outbursts of anger. The Bible is full of stuff on anger and how to deal with it. Full of it. Outbursts of anger are always sin. You can be angry without sinning and you can be angry justifiably, but the reaction has to be in control. The anger cannot control us. We have to control it. And most of the time we behave out of that anger. We want to correct somebody when we're mad and we, we cannot do that. That's when we destroy people. And I should right. know. <laughs> well, that's also where forgiveness comes in too, right? Where it plays such a, a big role because if we allow ourselves to stay angry for so long, like, I, you know, I was, I've told this on the podcast before, but I was in the grocery store about a year ago and I was with my son and this guy passed at the end of the, you know, of the aisles and I saw him coming up the aisle and this was a guy that, you know, in college, we'd gotten into an altercation. And I was kind of embarrassed by that altercation. Uh, you know, he was drunk and I was a guy, I was sober at the time and I was trying to get him to calm down and we wound up getting into it. And I was just embarrassed because I didn't, I didn't fight back the guy because he was drunk and I didn't want to fight. And I remember just being embarrassed in front of all the people that were there. And when I saw him, this has been years, I mean, like 18 years, something welled up within me on that aisle. Like, I was like, I hate that guy. I want to go and smash him over the head with this gallon of milk right now and like pay him back for all the years that I've been embarrassed by that. And, and you know, I've heard it said before that, that um, staying angry is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die, right? So where does, where does forgiveness play a role in that? Because in that moment that day, my son was with me and I felt that rage and I looked down at him and I finally just said, is this how I want to show my children how I should act? Is this how I, you know, how I want to be an example for him? And I just asked God in the moment, I said, look, that guy probably has not even thought about me or that incident in 20 years, but yet he here I am still alive. It. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm, but I am so angry that the sight of him like enrages me. And so I asked him for, for forgiveness in that moment. But it is, it truly is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die. It is. And I'm going to just bring up something sure. in Matthew 18. We have heard this parable a million times, but not probably with this, this angle. So Peter goes to Jesus and he says, how many times do I need to forgive? Seven. And he thinks he's being all generous. Seven times. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, not seven. Seventy times seven. Now, the number seven in the Bible is indicative of divine completion. It's the covenant number. So divine completion times 10, which is the number of law. Think 10 commandments. Mm -hmm. So the divine law is complete forgiveness, right? And, if, and, and he says elsewhere that if we don't forgive, he doesn't forgive us. We're not forgiven. But what's interesting about this parable is he talks about this servant who was forgiven this enormous debt. And he turns around and he, he grabs a hold of a fellow servant who owes far less and he demands that he be repaid. And when the, when the guy says, look, I, I can't repay this, please just have mercy on me and I'll repay it at some point, but you know, just, I can't right now. And he won't, he won't forgive the debt now. Well, that's a whole nother issue, but he won't forgive the debt. And then he, he, Jesus says, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. He delivered him to the torturers. 
Who are the torturers? The enemy. Yeah. When we don't forgive, it opens the door to attacks of the enemy. That is an open door. Unforgiveness, um, unresolved anger, all of that stuff is an open door to the enemy. The enemy always attacks us in our weakest point, the weakest point of our soul, our woundedness. So that forgiveness, and, and it might be a minor thing, but a lot of times the roots of it are actually a lot deeper. And until we can dig around in there with the Holy Spirit, we may think we've forgiven it, but yet if we sit with him and we ask him, is there anything else I need to forgive? You'd be really surprised. I do I do spiritual consultation on one, one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. And we go through this and I'll ask them, is there any unforgiveness? Oh, no. No, I forget forgiven everything. <laughs> so we do this exercise with the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything left that I need to forgive so-and-so? And just, just wait. And you would not be, you'd be so surprised at all the stuff that comes up. You know, it's just, it's, it's still latent in there, you know? And so he has to help us pull that up. And if we don't, we ha- we just have to. I mean, it's a prerequisite for being forgiven. And it's an open door. We have to close that door. Yeah, that's something that I think we don't think about often when we're uh, saying the Our Father, whether it's at home or at Mass, is we're basically saying, don't forgive me if I don't forgive others. But we're so used to saying that prayer, it just rolls off our tongue. You know, you're thinking of your grocery list or whatever else you got going on after Mass, and you're not realizing what you're saying. Like, you're, you're giving God permission, not that He needs it, but you're saying it's okay with me if you don't forgive me if I don't forgive someone else. And I think that's something that's overlooked so often it, it, because it's just become something else that we say, right? It's just so it's something that rolls off the tongue so easy, but we're not realizing what we're actually saying. Definitely. <laughs> well, what about <laughs> other places in the Bible? Like, uh, I know there's been plenty of times Moses smacked a rock, right? There's been places where other men in the Bible or other women in the Bible have shown uh, signs of anger. Take us through some of that real quick. That's, oh, I'm sure you have some off the top I, of your head. I have a whole series on angry men, okay. and, and that means there are no angry women in the Bible. <laughs> right, <laughs> but God used those people to help me work through my own anger. So the first one was Cain. Mm-hmm. Cain murdered his brother. Now sibling rivalries, you know, yeah, those yeah. are those are rough. Whether it's it's brothers or sisters, you know, we 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 get into those. So and he goes to Cain. This happens in every single one of these accounts. God takes the initiative and he comes to the person and he says to Cain, Cain, why has your countenance fallen? Hmm. Then he engages Cain in a conversation. And that's, that's the T part of stop, sin, not tell God. God doesn't ask Cain this question because he doesn't know the answer. He asks Cain the question because Cain needs to get that out because Hmm. if it doesn't, if he doesn't get it out, if he doesn't express to God the truth of what he's feeling, it's going to come out some other way. And we see that's exactly what happened. He murdered his brother. Yeah. Then there is Moses. And Moses, he, I love Moses. He, <laughs> he tears up the word of God. <laughs> he slams the Ten Commandments down and he breaks the word of God. <laughs> what I love about Moses is, it was a, his anger was a gift out of balance. It was a strength. Moses had the gift of justice. 
and but the justice justice was out of balance. He was he was it hadn't been tempered by the Lord yet. That's an interesting choice of words there. But that's why he spent 40 years in the desert before God could call him, because God was using that 40 years to, to help him work through all that. Right. He And then he murdered a, an Egyptian. So mm-hmm. he runs off to escape Pharaoh and getting in trouble. And God sees him there. He's in the burning bush. And Moses approaches, and that's when God speaks to him. Then you got Jonah. Jonah, he was prejudiced. And God said to go preach to a certain group, and he didn't want to do it because they were Gentiles. They weren't godly people, and they were a bunch of sinners. And he said, I'm not doing that. And he gets on a boat, and he he ends up, the, the storm comes, and they throw him overboard because he realizes it's his fault. And then he gets swallowed by the whale. The whale vomits him up. There's the vomit again, right? <laughs> and then God comes to him and says to Jonah, he says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And God used that specifically with me. He asked me that question through that story. Is it right for you to be angry? And I was like, you're damn right. It's right for me to be angry. You know? And I was just, Wah! <laughs> Through all of these stories, what I realized is that God wants me to express to him how I'm feeling and why, because there is a lot there that I don't discern on my own always. And that really he has to help me work through. And so when he asked me that question and he does it to Elijah, he, he says to Elijah, Elijah, why are you here? Why are you here? Elijah is, he is the number two prophet in the old Testament. Mm-hmm. Moses and Elijah were the, the, highest prophets of the Old Testament. And he struggled with clinical depression. We would call that clinical depression now. Depression is anger that has been suppressed. It's not expressed. So when we struggle with depression, we're angry. And so God goes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, why are you here? So you can see that God, he, he comes to the person who's angry and he says, tell me about this. He wants to know. He wants to help us work through it. So over and over again, all over the scriptures, you see this. God is is he's seeking a dialogue with his people. He knows we get angry. We get murderously angry. He knows that. He just wants to temper it because a lot of times it really is a strength that's out of control. And and men particularly sometimes don't feel like they have um, they're comfortable with expressing a whole lot of other emotion. Anger's the because that's acceptable. It feels powerful, you know, but actually it's weak. If you can't control your anger, it's weak. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, about the need for men to be vulnerable and just the different definitions of the world. The world tells you to be vulnerable is is uh, weak and less masculine and you're susceptible to attack. But, you know, God tells tells St. Paul when he asked him to remove that thorn from his side, that my power is made perfect in weakness, right? So it is sort of an oxymoron to be vulnerable is actually to be strong in God's eyes. And, you know, as you were talking about the anger and things a second ago, it just, the the verse, uh, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart, uh, popped into my mind, you know, just a new, a new take on that verse of, of removing that hardened heart. And, and placing a new heart of flesh within you. And that's what, what God's sweet, what's what he, what he seeks to do when we're willing to surrender that anger and really humble ourselves before him and, and admit that we need his help. Yeah. Because that's that he's the only one that can help us. Yeah. He really is. <laughs> and we don't, I mean, we, 
no one would listen to this podcast or or any other Catholic podcast if they if they really didn't want to follow God and yeah. to have that relationship with him. But I think a lot of times Catholics don't realize that that that's what God's looking for. And and we're also we're, we also think of suffering as something we have to just endure and bear and offer it up. Right. Mm-hmm. But suffering God means to use it to help purify us. So we have to cooperate with it or else it goes to waste. And you keep repeating the same stuff over and over until you receive the message in it. So I don't know about everybody else, but I don't want to go through the same crap over and over and over again. I want to learn what I'm supposed to learn and let's move on and do something else. And when I saw that that was a pattern and not only was it a pattern in my past, but it was leading to more destructive behavior. I said, I'm done with this. I'm ready. Whatever you got to do, Lord, I'm ready. And it was painful. It was really painful because I had to, I had to connect some stuff with my relationship with my dad. And, and it was a situation with him where, you know, people say that, you know, our parents do the best they can. And the truth is they don't always, we try, but there are parents that don't and they don't care. And to, to come to that realization and know that my father did not love me. He did not try. He didn't care enough to try. And that's the truth of it. I'm not being ugly about it. And it doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt me now. But that's the truth. And to come to that was the most painful moment of my entire life. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. But look what God's doing with it, though. That's the thing you're talking about. He wants to use our suffering, and he heals us with our suffering. I mean, this entire 40 minutes or whatever we've been on here, you've been using your pain and that experience and what you learned from that, what God showed you, to help all these men that are going to listen and countless others that have found you know, your program on anger and all those things through your site and everything else you're doing. I mean, it's just amazing to think a lot of times we say, what is this for? And and we don't know. I mean, God shines a light at one stone at a time in front of us, right? We don't we don't get to see the whole path. That's just part of that surrender and 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 asking God or giving your life and saying, Here I am, Lord. You know, like we hear so many times in the Bible, you know, Samuel, Moses, all of them said, Here I am, Lord. And what you're saying is we have to bring ourselves to that point to say the same thing. And I know one person you're a fan of that said, here I am, is Mary. Where does she play in all this? Because I know as a guy that deals with a lot of men and being a former Protestant, Mary is is still sometimes for a lot of men uh, a, a difficult place to go. We know God. We love Jesus. Uh, we have a relationship with the Father maybe. Maybe we don't. We're working on it. And, and we know of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes Mary can be not just for converts, but just for men in general, something that it still requires a lot of work in our in our relationship with her. Absolutely. I had a really hard time with her. I just didn't get it. I, I didn't and I didn't think I needed to. Uh, but I was in confession with my bishop and it was at a Lenten penance service or Advent one. And I remember him looking at me, you know, I, I I said all my sins and he looked at me and he said, you know, the measure of your Catholicism is the measure of your relationship to Mary. And Mm. I was like, that's not what I'm here for, Bishop. (laughs) What I just said. And so I was annoyed. I was annoyed by that. But it was one of those things that kind of stuck. And so I did not go through all I went through to come into the Catholic Church to be a half a Catholic. So I thought, all right, if this is true, and he would not have said this to me if it weren't, then 
I got to do something about that. So I just went to her. I mean, that's that's my style. I learned from God that he's the place we have to be vulnerable with. That's the safe place. You can be vulnerable there because it's safe with him. And I learned to do that. So I thought, well, all right, I'll just ask her. <laughs> so I, went, I just said to her, I said, I'm just being honest and I don't mean to offend, but I think this is weird. I think all of this Catholic stuff with you is just weird. It's, it makes no sense to me. I don't see the value in it. I just, it's, it's just weird, but, but I'm willing to understand. It's clear. I don't understand something. So whatever (laughs) that is, I'm willing to, to know that if you're willing to share it with me and what she showed me absolutely floored me. This is not something that Catholics connect with Mary ever, but, and, and I, I didn't either until she showed it to me. And then I was like, Oh my gosh. The one thing Mary wanted me to know about her the most. And that's what I asked her. I want to know, what do you want me to know about you? What do you need me to know so that, that I have a proper understanding? She showed me her love for the scriptures. Mm. And I was floored. Nobody thinks about Mary. I mean, you know, she's not going to carry around a Bible. And yet when she opens her mouth in Luke chapter one to praise God in that Magnificat, what comes out of her is the Old Testament. Mm. And I thought that is, it still humbles me so deeply because she, she wanted to connect with me. She wanted to be friends with me, which still kind of blows me away. And in order to do that, she connected with me in the one area that she knew would mean the most Mm. right there in the scriptures. I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed. And then she gave me that love the word acronym. I mean, not gave it to me, like spoke it to me. Right. But as I was meditating on the joyful mysteries of the rosary, I realized that shows us her love for the scriptures and how to read them. So I'm giving you another acronym. So L-O-V-E, you listen to the word of God every single day. Mary heard the word from the angel because it was her habit. The Mm. Jewish people, they prayed those scriptures three times a day. She would have had those acclimated in her. They were, they were just naturally part of who she was. And so she was listening every day. L is listen. So we listen to the word of God every day. O is observe. Pope Francis and Pope Benedict both said that the thing that made Mary so holy was that she understood how to, she understood the scriptures through the lens of her own circumstances and relationships. So she was able to apply the word that she heard to her relationships. She goes straight to Elizabeth, right? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Then L is listen, O is observe, V is verbalize. She verbalized back to God all that she believed that she was hearing. And that's where the Magnificat comes from. And then E is entrust. May it be done to me according to your word. Right. (laughs) Well, that's powerful. It is. And it's something that I know I need to work on in my life too. I need a better relationship with Mary than what I have. I love playing, praying rosaries and things like that, but I still feel like there's a lot of places that I haven't opened up my heart for her. Uh, and I know that, that she is very important to Jesus, obviously. So she needs to be important to us as Catholic men and, and women that are listening to the show. Um, you can't you know, pretend, right? We have to be no. honest with you too. Look, I just have an issue here, but I'm willing. I, I want to know you. I want to understand you. Be a mother to me. Show you what that me- Show me what that means. 
Yeah, and that's something that I think it's so easy for guys sometimes to just blow things off when they get difficult <laughs> instead it's of just saying, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that later. Or or you say, well, I'm not going to pray a rosary just because everybody else is praying a rosary. But the bottom line is there is a fear of a growth of a relationship, a, misunder- you know, a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge that you're talking about. And that acronym I think is going to help a lot of people because I've never looked at it like that. I've, I've always been impressed with with the parts of the Bible that Mary's in, obviously with uh, the Sacred Heart of Mary, things like that. But I just, um, what you just said a second ago is really going to help me in my own uh, growth of relationship with her. I I really appreciate that, Sonia. Notice Um, that the the only other place in the scriptures that she speaks is at Cana. And she does exactly the same thing in a different order. She observes the circumstances and she goes straight to the word. And she says, hey, we don't have any wine. And then... Whatever he says to do, she says, just do it. She verbalizes yeah. to the servants, this is what you do, and then she entrusts it all. So she does the same process, only in a different order. Right. That's right. And I said Sacred Heart of Mary. I meant Immaculate Heart of Mary. So <laughs> sorry for that mistake. But uh, I want to ask you about one other thing real quick with Mary. So um, this is something I thought was so neat when I heard you talking about it at one of the conferences, is the fact that Mary is the new Eve and that she is the new Ark of the Covenant. Could you talk about that just for a minute, just for guys that have may never have heard anything like that before? So, so the church fathers are the ones who actually coined that title for her. She's the mm-hmm. new Eve because Paul says that, that Christ is the new Adam. So mm-hmm. the first man was the head of all men by virtue of DNA, you know, mm-hmm. just, just that. But also spiritually where he went, the rest of humanity followed. So he was the earthly Adam. Then Jesus, Paul says, is the new Adam. He redeems all that fell after Adam and Eve sinned. The other thing that's interesting there is that that relationship. Oh, man, I wish we had time to unpack this. But that relationship (laughs) between Adam and Eve was disrupted through that sin. So their their relationship became contentious and accusatory and competitive, right? That's a, that's a matter of the fall. That's not how our, our marriages are supposed to be, but they turn into that quite a bit. And part of that is the woman's role, which I would love to talk about, but I won't. But we see there in that, in that dialogue that Jesus, that uh, God has with her, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And it's not, and, and that that's still true. So Christ is the new Adam, Mary is the new Eve, and together they recreate humanity. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that in order to fix a sum that you've gotten wrong, you have to go back to the beginning of it. It doesn't just make itself better with time. You have to go back to the beginning and, and rework it. So in a sense then, Jesus and Mary together, because she gave her her yes, and through him he came, together they began the redemption and the the reclamation of everything that was lost in that garden. And so they are the new Adam and the new Eve. And the new Ark of the Covenant, that idea is in the Old Testament tabernacle, which is really, really rich. I don't have time for that either. But that was the place where God's presence dwelt with the people was on that ark. And so, and there's a specific word that's used there in the old Testament, the overshadowing word that is used for Mary. And so 
there are lots of parallels, uh, particularly in Samuel, where the ark is shown and the, the words that are used regarding that ark are very similar to the same ones that are used with Mary in Luke. And so the church fathers have also said that she is the ark of the new covenant. She That ark in the Old Testament carried a pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the, a copy of the Ten Commandments. And all of those three things are fulfilled in the person of Christ whom Mary carried in her womb. So she is the ark. <laughs> and then it shows up again. The ark shows up in the book of Revelation in heaven. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is just amazing. I hear you. I'm going to have to have you back on just to talk more about that because I could I could sit there and listen to that all day. That's right. There's a lot in there about even relationships in marriage too, with the Adam and Eve and the role of women and what men can do to make their their marriages strong. And it's not by letting their wives have their way all the time, which that's starting to change some. But I just there's a whole generation of of women who have absolutely browbeaten their husbands into submission and are, it's our fault. It's the women's fault. John Paul II said that, that humanity was given to woman. So where we go, it goes. And we have our families and our world and our country is a mess. And it's, it's our fault. It's our fault. But that relationship and what it should look like and that mutual submission and all that, that's a great topic too. Yeah. Well, I hope we can get into that. I definitely want to have you on again. And if nothing else, to talk to somebody with a similar accent. It's nice to <laughs> talk to somebody else from I said, That's oh right. my God, heaven. That's right. Somebody else from Tennessee, man, God's country. So, <laughs> but sorry, I, look, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, you are the second woman that we've had on the show. We had Sister Miriam on uh, a few months ago, and now it's just, it's, I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, your knowledge and just your, your joy for the Lord is so uh, evident and just listening to you speak and just a smile on your face. And you've really blessed us today with all of that. Before we leave here, I want to invite you to tell uh, all the folks listening where they can find out more about what you're doing. I know you do pilgrimages and all sorts of other things. So where can they find you and, and tell us a little bit about what you have going on? All right, so um, BibleStudyEvangelista.com is my website, but you can just search my name and it'll come right up. Um, I'm doing a series. I just started it yesterday on freedom from anxiety. So I'll be doing that for a few uh, weeks. That's a podcast series. And then I just finished up a series with Catholic TV that aired. It, it finished airing, but all of that is still available on the Magnificat, Mary's Magnificat. And the previous series was that anger series. So if people are interested in, in getting more on that, that's available on my website. Um, I got a new book coming out, Just Rest, How to Rest in Thoughts and Emotions and Body and Soul, Following the Children of Israel Through the Exodus. Uh, That's coming up. So I always got something going on and I'm doing private consultations. I've done those back to back. So I'm really surprised I even was able to string two words together. My my brain gets to be a noodle, but I have enjoyed it very, very much. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, we'd love to do it again. And, And again, guys, go out there, check out Sonya's stuff. It's amazing. All of her, all of her things she just talked about. I can tell you from working with her and just enjoying uh, some of the content myself that she's put out. It's gonna be worth your time. So, uh, guys, here we're gonna come to the end of this interview. But look, if you are someone that is a member of the Just a Guy, uh, Just a Guy in the Pew community, 
we are going to do an extra short interview with Sonia where we're going to talk about a little more in depth a couple of the things that she talked about here. So if you want to hear more of those and all the extra interviews that we've done in places, please you can go to the website at justagotonthepew.com and sign up to be a, a member of our community there today. So once again, Sonia, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks so much. All right.